Hey there, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Inexpert Opinions with Mike and Jeff. Today we uh, got into a conversation on the environment, uh, humans' effects on global warming, uh, different types of power and energy, and the pros and cons around them, etc. So, um, without further ado, hope you guys enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that's how we start. <laughs> I still don't think anybody actually understands why we do it. And I don't know why every time we start, I get this fucking echo. Well, nobody understands why we do it because nobody ever hears it. Cause I cut it out in the, oh, the post production process, the old post product. All right. Well, folks, we are back at it again. Back with another beat. I can't do that. I, I keep saying that. I can't do I know, that. From, you're going to you keep stealing from those young children. Those children. Um, what do we have today for, for the, for the listeners? We have Hunter Biden and Facebook. Oh, come on. <laughs> Facebook. He's already, he's, it's already been, um, what's, what's it called? Um, what'd they do? Um, I don't know. The, some committee already like, like dug into this thing and have come out and said he did nothing wrong. So is that true? Yeah. Really? What's the new mm-hmm. New York Post article about that clearly like talks about how he so I think, stole or not stole, but took money from the Moscow mayor's wife, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, well, yeah, and there very well could be some new information. I don't know. But uh, I was reading a thing this morning that said what I thought it was was something about Hunter Biden trying to get his dad in conversations with somebody in. I don't know. Where, where is it? All this happening at Russia. Ukraine. No, Ukraine. Thank you. Um, yeah. And this was a big thing, even I think back in 2018 and they did a whole bunch of looking into it and came back and said, no, he didn't do anything wrong. So, I mean, there could very well be new information, but again, if we're going to talk about shady business dealings, come on, you are going, we're talking it in the same context of the shadiest business human being on the planet. Kamala Harris. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Is that who we're talking about? Mm -hmm. Exactly who I meant. All right. Um, Well, let's not get into that because that's a topic for neither one of us have enough information. That's well, neither one of us have enough information on really anything we talk about. But um, well, that's not true. Well, at least I feel like with other stuff that we talk about, we can go in and find info. This is relatively new. This is true. Um, So today we uh, we'll, we'll skirt sidestep the Hunter Biden discussion and shady business dealings of Kamala Harris (laughs) in favor of uh, talk about the environment. And this one I think is going to be particularly interesting to me um, in a selfish way, because I have no idea where Mike stands on this. And I have a feeling that because we're both fairly reasonable people, we're going to see maybe more, closely more more eye to eye than other topics uh because this one feels kind of like one of those if you don't have similar opinions to where i am you might be a redneck um no <laughs> you might yeah it, it'll be interesting i think to say the least because i think some of this stuff is is fairly fairly rational and logical or pretty rational and logical so um right anyway the environment, global warming, yeah. wind, solar power, 
forest fires, all of those beautiful things. Um, Speaking of, I saw, I read this morning that the Cameron Peak fire in Colorado has now become the largest fire in the state's history. Yes, that was, uh, I want to say September, like early September that, that surpassed the, that, oh, really? yeah, that surpassed it. It was it's it, still it, going, it, right? Yes. Well, I, I, yeah. it's 100% contained. I, I would assume it's still burning or, or there's like embers smoldering, but they do have it 100% oh, okay. contained. I, I want to say it was, it, it surpassed the, the largest in this is state not, history. This is not the one that we were dealing with when I was out there. This is a different one, correct? Oh, Cameron Peak. Is that that's the one that up new, by Fort Collins? Yeah, that's, and oh. I just read an article that said this morning it just, yeah, Cameron Peak fire becomes largest wildfire in Colorado history. And that was in the Colorado 12 hours ago. Oh yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. right. So how big is it? Oh, it's only 50, 50,000 or 50% contained. So where does it stand? Uh, grown 30 acres since Tuesday. Can you give me a 164,000 acres? Yeah. Wow. So yeah, I was going to say the Pine Gulch, that's the one. Um that was 140,000 mm-hmm. before. Well, shite. Yeah, dude, that doesn't surprise me because it was crazy crazy. Like w- when I was coming back from Wyoming on Sunday, there were 60 mile per hour gusts like blowing me off the interstate. Um so really? I'm sure that 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 that's ultimately what contributed to it was so windy here as well. Yeah, not that's what, not like Wyoming, one of the- but that's one of the articles I read this morning is the reason for this, the spread is because of the major gusts of wind. Hmm. Interesting. Um, Seeing a lot of that. Well, yeah. Every so single in light year, of that it fires, seems to get worse. We've got a lot of crazy fires going on. It seems like all of North America, or at least the United States, um, is on fire. So yeah, the, the Western part of the United States is, is not doing well. Correct. Um, so yeah, let's, let's, let's kick things off. Let's start off, I think by, Maybe first saying, let's let's level set. Do you feel like the Earth is warming? Do you feel like global warming? I don't feel like that. Is a thing <laughs> based on stats and data and scientific research. I know for a fact the Earth is warming. Okay, so stats and data and scientific research. The, mm-hmm. the it's not a feeling I have, even though I do also feel it. Okay, to a degree because because it's getting warmer, so you can feel because it's getting warmer. The heat. Right. Yes. All right. Uh, okay. So we 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 are aligned. We are aligned there. Um, okay. I think that's a pretty pretty hard thing to refute. Given what you said, the data, the science, mm-hmm. I want to talk about the science. I like to throw science around because people <laughs> it makes us sound like we know what we're science. talking about. We're talking about science. Um, okay. So where do you think, where do you think humans fall in the spectrum of uh, contribution to global warming? Low, medium, high, well, extra high, extra low. I mean, we're absolutely responsible because we're seeing the largest increase in CO2 emissions that we've ever seen. And it all started and in the industrial revolution. Okay. So that's, if you, I mean, you can look at graphs and charts and all of these things and it, you look at the, the rise in CO2 and it's just gone gangbusters since the pre pre or since the industrial revolution. So, I mean, I think right there, there's an argument that of course humans are responsible. And then you look at 
other countries who have major, major, especially air pollution problems right now, mm -hmm. like China, China being the largest country or the one of the largest countries with the largest um, CO2 emissions. I think they take up like around 25% of all the world's CO2 emissions at the moment. You know, but look at the air quality in like Beijing. We've all seen pictures. And then look at, you know, countries like India too, who have horrible, horrible air pollution. Both of those countries are essentially going through an industrial revolution right now to a degree. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that to me is really all the information you need to say that humans are responsible, but I've read it in a lot of different ways. So there is a responsibility of humans specifically like deforestation is something that we are doing. That's actually adding to additional CO2 emissions because of course, removing forests for those of you who are unsure how all of this works, you know, trees, et cetera, like all living creatures, you know, pull carbon atoms out of the air and use them for energy. But like photosynthesis is essentially trees specifically pulling carbon out of the air and using it for energy to grow. And then that energy gets captured. So it's called CO2 capture and then whatever, but will we cut down all these forests or, you know, deforestation is also a thing that scares the hell out of me too, just because it's sad to think that like how many years before we realize it's too much. And we've done too much irreversible damage. That scares me. But anyway, so I think what I read is like, it's, a, I think it's right around 7% of CO2 emissions on the planet are from deforestation, but the majority of it is of course from fossil fuels. So coal and oil are the two biggest contributors. Um, so it's a hard question. I, I think, yes, humans have to be responsible for all of it. Cause I think a lot of the things that are happening are from are in core direct correlation to something that we've done. And again, it's hard to sit here and say that, Oh, well, some of it was not going to happen or some of it is almost required because we wouldn't be, we wouldn't have the luxuries we do today if we didn't start drilling for oil, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, the fact that we all get to sit in a warm house in the winter, you know, or a cool house in the summer for that matter. I mean, we need some of that stuff, but you know, I think we hear, we're hearing a lot of, of positivity around, um, you know, <laughs> alternative fuel sources. What was that? I have no idea what that was. Apparently I've got a tab that's deciding to go crazy on my internet. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, I mean, where are you at? I mean, I mean, I think there's, we have to remember too, and I think you're going to touch on this. And in fact, because you and I listened to a podcast when we were um, in Colorado about there is a natural ebb and flow of warming and cooling that happens over time periods. You know, it's, I mean, we all know that there's been ice ages sure, and you know, you go back to like the era of the dinosaurs. I mean, that was the, I think I, I, and I have this information somewhere in a tab. I'll grab it here in a second, but you know, the goal here is that they don't want the earth's temperature to rise 
you know, the num- big number is two degrees Celsius. That's the thing. That's the Paris climate accord. You know, they went, we wanted to keep it at one and a half degrees Celsius was the max. They keep saying that at two is where we're going to start seeing a lot of challenging issues. Ones that we can't even honestly predict at this point, mm-hmm. they have ideas of what would happen, but you know, back in the, in, in the, the prehistoric era, um, or not prehistoric, whatever that era was pre Camden era or whatever, when the dinosaurs existed, um, the temperature I think was around seven degrees Celsius warmer than the temperature is today. And the earth was exact, essentially every land mass on the planet was tropical. There was no snow and a little interesting fact to it on that is there was around 200 meters of water additional water so the ocean levels were around 200 meters higher. higher so that's what is that like what is what is 200 meters in feet like 600 60 uh, 600 and something yeah yeah so yeah i mean clearly that's not a good thing and so i mean it, it's no the, the interesting fact I there go, is i, mean, I just we're go talking, backwards i just went backwards no i no, what? i didn't 600 feet yeah 200 meters god yeah, it's like 600, it's like... Six, what it'd is, be like 640 or 630, something 640, like that. 640, okay. Yeah, so, I mean, clearly, I mean, what's what's interesting about that right there to me is we're talking, we want to keep the temperature from being increased by just two degrees Celsius. And when that was the case, and, and back then when we had a 200 meter um, rise in sea elevation, that was only seven degrees Celsius. I mean, you're not talking a lot of degrees here. You know, mm-hmm. so six hundred six really kind of six hundred fifty six feet, six hundred fifty six feet higher. So that means essentially New York was underwater, right? So yeah, and a lot so, more I mean, probably, but and a lot more than that, right? So yeah, I mean, I, it is terrifying. I mean, I don't know. I mean, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on on human humans being responsible for a percentage of all of this? And then secondly. If we are not responsible for a hundred percent of it, what percent do you think we are? And then where is the other percentage coming from? Is it just a naturally occurring like ebb and flow or what? Right. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's interesting. I, I don't, I don't know if I could pinpoint a percentage. My, 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 my feelings and thoughts are much more ambiguous and vague than, than hardline percentages on this topic, just because it is, I, I don't know the science, uh, as well as obviously scientists. I, I think we are contributing. I think that that goes without saying, um, obviously to deforestation, obviously with CO2, uh, emissions, you know, increases in CO2 emissions. But at the same time, I feel like we've got a fairly good handle on it as well to, to a large extent. Um, when you say handle, do you mean understanding or actually doing things to slow it? Well, so for instance, like carbon emissions peaked in Germany, France, and I, I believe Britain in the mid seventies. Right. So like that was, that was obviously post industrial revolution. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. in the U S 13 years ago was where we hit our peak and a large reason that we are on a steady decline is because of fracking, which a lot of people, you know, that's a, that's a separate hot button topic. So I feel like we are, 
making some pretty significant inroads toward the management of and the controlling of, right? Um, you bring up China and India. I think China is, is I don't know, I guess I do not know the stats on this, but where does China's China's number one or India's number one? China. Okay. And India's got to be a close second, right? We're second. We are second. The United States. In carbon yep. emissions. Mm-hmm. Is that a fact? Yeah. Uh, I actually looked it up because I knew that we were going to come up on it. Let me, I have it right here. I found a cool little chart too. I just got to go find the damn thing. Jamie, look that up for me. Um, here we go. Uh, India okay. would be fourth. The EU is third. Interesting. I have India as third and the Russian Federation is fourth. This is on, I'm getting this information from the World Resource Institute. So what I'm getting, yeah. So it's China is around 25.7%, six, I'm sorry, 25.76%. United States is around 12.8%. The EU when was, was 7.8. last updated? That is a great question. Let me see if I can tell you that. I'm looking at the Union of Concerned Scientists pulling in data from a variety of different sources, predominantly the International Energy Agency, updated August 12th of 2020, saying China's at 28. The rest of the world, uh, oh, that's not that's that's separate. The United States is 15, so about half of China, and then India is about half of the United States at seven percent. Yeah, then you're probably that, that accurate. Your information is more accurate because this is what I'm looking at is from 2016 data. So we have all increased our emissions, it sounds like, or I guess the percentage of our emissions. Our contribution. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. China has gone up 3%. We've gone up for 3%. And India looks like they've gone up. Um, so that all makes, I mean, a percentage going, point. Yeah, going up makes sense because the population grows. Technology grows, industry grows. Um, so, right. so yeah. I mean, now we know how much you know we as a country do. As far as like humanity goes, when it comes to we, we can we can clearly sit here and say we know how much. It's easy to grab numbers as we're looking at for our contribution to CO two emissions. Mm-hmm. What I think is foggier in my mind, um, and I'm sure. Maybe the science is out there. Maybe the data is out there and I don't know about it. But what does that do to the contribution of actual global temperatures, right? Because as you discussed earlier, global temperatures ebb and flow. Global temperatures rise and fall. So Mm -hmm. when when we're looking at an increase in global temperature of 2.4 degrees Fahrenheit over the last 100 years, how much of that... What percentage of that is caused by the CO2 emissions from humans? So that's a good question. So I actually have a a chart that I was looking at earlier before we started talking. And it says, so so if you were to place a chart over like the last 400, like let's call it 400 million years, if you looked at, cause you know, like they can do the whole, the, um, ice things, what's it called? Ice core, like ice core testing. Okay. 
where they drill down. So, so, so the reason that we even know this information is like they, they'll send scientists to Antarctica and then they drill these massive like holes into the core of like existing icebergs and, and glaciers and all of that. Mm-hmm. And then they, <clears throat> and they go down hundreds of feet and they can pull this out. And then they are actually able to, by looking and, and measuring the air bubbles in that ice, they're able to tell you like what the temperature, average temperatures were around that time, how much carbon dioxide was in the air. So that's how we actually have this data, which is really kind of neat. Yeah. So, so they've actually gone back and I'm looking f- here cause I want to make sure that I'm, so it's, I'm sorry, I said 400,000 or 400 million. I'm at 400,000 years ago. So they actually have a graph now that shows the, the rise and fall. So if you look at it, it's around every 50,000 years, we kind of see this drop in temperature. And then the next 50,000 years is an increase. So it's kind of like this 50,000 year ebb and flow that's happening. Okay. Send me that link. Send me that link. So we're looking at the same thing. Okay. This is that wait, but why website I tell you about all the time. So you're going to have to scroll down to the, the section of it. And, but he does a really good job of, of explaining it. I'll send this to you. So, right. so scroll down on that, that first section where you, and you're going to see a bunch of charts and like squiggly lines and stuff. That's about where you want to be, but it's neat though. And, and Jeff, you're looking in the, the heading called fact Two, where atmospheric CO2 levels go, temperatures follow. Mm-hmm. So if you actually were to place a graph of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, and then on top of it, overlay the same time period of uh, average global temperatures, it's nearly identical. Mm-hmm. So that leads us to believe that carbon di- the amount of carbon dioxide in the air is a direct correlation to the average temperatures. So that means if our average, if our CO2 levels continue to rise, that means our temperatures will most likely, looking at 400,000 years of data, will probably rise as well. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I answered your question. I'm, I, in fact, I don't even remember your exact question. My apologies. But so I think it was along the lines of does temperature correlate to CO2 right. in the atmosphere? And in that case, my answer would be yes, I think so. So um, there's another one too I wanted to show you that was just fascinating to me. I so I, re- I remember I've, I've read this, I've read this article, uh, or this, this, whatever, whatever you call his posts, they're not articles. Um, how Tesla will change the world. That's what we're, that's what we're looking at here, folks. Yeah. It's a great article because it, it talks so much around just like fossil fuel and how and the start of why electric vehicles will, are, can be a massive benefit. Um, but yeah, man. So the thing is, is we have seen in the amount of CO2 that like gets measured in parts per million in the U.S. or I'm sorry, in the world rise. And we are at a, a, at a level that we've never seen since humans have, well, one, since we've been actually tracking this, but then we have data from all the way back. Mm -hmm. So we've never seen a level of CO2 in our atmosphere this high. So that's where the concern is. And then again, I mean, we, I don't know if I want to venture too far down this path because there is, it's slightly speculative, 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 Jesus Christ. 
But like, you know, we're seeing, I mean, look at the hurricane season this year. I mean, we're halfway through it and we've already blown past all the names when now we're into the, just the, the letters, you know, Delta just hit Louisiana last weekend. I mean, well, that's a D so we've gone all the way through and now we're back to D all the numbers. And now they do like alpha, you know, all the weird ones, all the, they don't, what, what do they do with numbers? I don't know if the, no, I'm saying the letters. So it's like, once they get through all of the alpha, like all the names they have yeah. scheduled, then they just go A, B, D, C, A, A B, C, D or whatever. <laughs> so we're, I just don't know how to, guys, I'm glad you learned alphabet last week. It's good. Uh, so now we're at the, at D, 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 Delta, D, 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 <laughs> and I think there's already an E because I saw something yesterday that said, I think there's like a cyclone forming or a so like tropical the, the, depression or something so on the like West coast. Hurricane alpha, hurricane Bravo, hurricane Charlie, hurricane exactly. Delta. And we've already done all of those and we're at the Delta. We're at Delta. And I think, like I said, there's an E already out there. Okay. So maybe it's echo. I don't. Yeah. I'm that's that's exactly what it is. have to be yeah. echo. Um, what are those called, by the way? It's what the like the military those signs the like what, is alphabet? there like a standard alphabet for that it, or like yeah uh, the, it's the NATO the NATO phonetic alphabet. Oh okay. Um, I don't think I've ever heard like what's H? What's that? What's H? Do they have one for H? I did this. Uh, yeah, hotel. I went through. <laughs> I spent like six months one. I don't know. This is probably two or three years ago, not to go too far off topic here. Uh, I spent like six months and I had this, uh, I, st I still have it, this habit tracking app. And I mm -hmm. read that if you do something 47 times, it makes it a habit. Okay. And then it's just kind of committed to memory and you can, you can start to do that. Um, and so I wanted to, I wanted to learn the NATO alphabet. And so I spent, more than 40 i did it more than 47 times but uh but yeah ultimately ultimately committed it to memory i have to think about it sometimes to pull out the different the different ones you're in there at m with mike um i wish i, I wish jay was i wish jay was jeff but it's juliet um fucking juliet i know she's an asshole it is dude it is it's 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 too bad um but anyway, back to what we were saying. Yes. So, so we do, we can absolutely correlate temperature and CO2 problem. The biggest concern right now though, and this is the thing that if you look at a chart of CO2 emissions in the last, basically since the end of the 1800s, it has gone gangbusters and we've nearly doubled the amount of CO2 in our atmosphere than at any point in the last 400,000 years. Mm -hmm. So that's what's scary. And that's why I think all of this, dis these discussions now are becoming more and more prevalent is because clearly in 400 years, 400,000 years time, we've never seen CO2 levels at this, this high. So of course it's a concern. I mean, uh, climate change, I read an, an, a number is, and again, this is as a, a scale or a, or a, you know, I don't even know what you'd call this, but it's, it's there, but an argument is being made that our cli like climate, uh, change is occurring 20 to 50 times faster than it's ever occurred in earth's history. So it's like, well, that's not good. And I love this argument because it just shows how 
just a lack of empathy on most people's parts where everybody that's probably listening to this, most people that are alive today, honestly, will probably never see the worst of all of this. Like we're not going to, I mean, yes, the changes while they seem, if you look back to like weather patterns in 85 and, and weather patterns in 2015, things have definitely changed, but in the grand scheme of like a human's life cycle, that's, you know, it's, it's manageable to a degree. The thing that scares me is just like anything. It's like, it's called the law of accelerating, accelerating returns. But if it, it's going to essentially, if, if we continually pushing climate change up over time, we're going to see these doubling of like traumatic weather events, et cetera, where eventually like they're going to get so bad that it will change every aspect of a person's life to a degree. And that's, that's the thing that scares me. And so when people say, well, it's not going to affect me, it's like, well, yeah, you prick. It might not, but you have children. What about their children? What about your grandchildren? Mm-hmm. You know, they could be affected. Doesn't that bother you? It's a hard thing. I realize because selfishly, is it a pain in the ass sometimes to recycle or is it a pain in the ass to, you know, carpool or i mean all of these dumb little things basically doing anything you can to reduce your carbon footprint yeah it requires you to change your lifestyle to a degree i understand that but it's like can you do some of the simple things that while you know in in the grand scheme of things maybe it doesn't have but a point oh 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 one percent difference you know if everyone does that that shit adds up so that, that's where I get frustrated. It's like, yeah, just just try to do whatever you can, even if it's small things, you know, push it a little bit, you know, I mean, and, and that's why, I mean, Jeff, you know how much of an Elon uh, Musk fanboy I am, but that's why I love what he's doing. I mean, if you look at everything that Elon touches, it all has to do with preserving the planet that we have available to us and then trying to find a way off this rock. So if it gets too bad, we can continue on, you know, humans existence as a multi multi-planetary species. So, and it starts with, you know, Tesla and electric cars. And then of course, you know, SpaceX and trying to get us off this planet. And then he, everything else he's doing with like, you know, the solar roofs and all of that. And, you know, the, the power wall and all that, all of it revolves around <laughs> extending the time that we have on this planet. Yeah. Because if we don't fix it, we're fucked. Yeah. Um, that's a good segue. Elon Musk, Tesla, you know, you brought up the, the article, how Tesla will change the world batteries. Um, I've read a lot and heard a lot about how we will never be able to have enough batteries to store the amount of energy necessary to run even small cities. Right. Yeah. Um, with the technology that exists today. Yeah. Well, even, even, even with technology that exists 25 years from now, I mean, you know, you look at, you look at things like solar panels and they've, they've had 2% efficiency gains in the last decade, which is, is minuscule, you know, it, it is, that is so small, especially considering solar power doesn't really contribute that much to, fr- from an energy perspective. It's actually, I think, statistically much more harmful than, uh, than not right. At least in 2020, um, when you look at the amount of 
space required for these battery battery farms, solar farms, all of that. Like there are arguments that suggest that that has a much more lasting impact on the environment than the actual energy that we're able to pull from it today and store today. When you look at things like energy and power density from a solar power battery perspective, we are sitting here and building these solar panel farms, these, these battery production facilities that are in many cases, you know, wiping out a lot of, a lot of land where, uh, defore well not deforestation necessarily but you're you're cutting out trees you're cutting out a lot of areas where you could potentially look at other means for power generation mm-hmm. right um sure and i think i i don't think and again this is I'm making some assumptions here, but I don't believe that a lot of the big solar farms, it's not like they're going in and putting those in like quality climates where you could essentially, you know, build cities or whatever. Now I realize it absolutely has an impact on like the ecosystem of like animals or whatever. I mean, so that whole thing I understand, but like, you know, I, I, I wish I had this stat in front of me, but I, not too long ago, I read a stat about all of the, like in Nevada and some of like the uninhabitable places in just the US that if we could just build massive solar farms out there. I mean, I think there's one huge one right outside of Vegas that, that could essentially power Vegas for years and years mm-hmm. if they can continue collecting it. So it's, and plus fact, you know, you're going to have constant sunlight in those areas too. This is, you know, this is, you know, well, except for nighttime. Well, right. You know what I mean? Yes. But I'm saying during the day, you're getting nearly like light, you know, every hour of the day. So, you know, if we continue using those areas, do I think solar is going to be the thing that saves us? I think it, no, that's just one piece of the puzzle. I think, you know, with what's hydroelectric and wind power and, and, um, solar, um, all of those combined are going to make a huge benefit. In fact, I think I just, was it yesterday, the day before I read that by 2030, I believe it's all of the, um, 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 like alternative ways to get energy will, uh, like surpass coal power in the United States. Hmm which is great. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, we know, we, we know how horrible it is to burn coal. We know how bad that is on the environment. We also know as much as, you know, politics would like us to believe otherwise that coal plants are definitely seeing some challenging times. No one wants them. No one wants to back them. No one wants to pay for them. So that's a good thing. I think do I, I know for a fact, you said it earlier, you said that not all these countries going back to the Paris climate accord, you know, if we want to touch on that real quick, we can talk about, you know, whether it was a good thing we left or when we actually haven't even left yet. And I think we can actually exit in on November 4th of this year is when we can actually walk out of that, which I believe Trump has said he's going to do. And has already signed the thing. So 
you know, I realized that there was a lot of um, debate on whether or not the U.S. was getting the short end of the stick. But my argument to that is the amount of CO2 reduction that was promised by each country was determined by a thing called an NDC or a nationally determined contribution. So it's basically you're having to reduce your carbon emissions based on the amount of carbon emissions your country is dumping into the environment. You know, and Trump tends to argue that, well, it costs the U.S. more. Well, right. We're the second largest CO2 emitter in the world. So, yeah, we're going to have to pay more. That's just the price we pay for being an advanced nation. So it does suck. But what I also, you know, granted, we've walked out of it. I, I, I read a thing um, this morning that said if we want back in, if let's say somebody else gets elected and we want back in, we would be back in there in a month. Mm-hmm. So we can jump back into it if we want. Thing is, is like you said earlier, there's only a substantial, like a, not even a handful of countries that have actually met their numbers and that the Paris Climate Accord is through 2030. So, I mean, we're not doing no as a whole. I think there's 184 nations that signed that thing. 195. The only ones that di- is it 195? Mm-hmm. Which ones didn't? It? it was like South North Korea, Russia, Iran, and Turkey or something were the four that didn't. Okay. It was not a. So anyway, did China? We. China, yeah, China's, China's now like there's a big there's a big concern that China will kind of take the lead on all of it if we step out and that's not good for us it's not good for american businesses it's not good for american manufacturing it's not good for anything if we step out then other countries will start using um other country manufacturing that is actually doing their best to reduce carbon emission that wouldn't be the u.s which Hmm. you know who knows I, i don't have any information on that that's just what i've read all that said the fact that only you know, three to four freaking countries are, are on the path to meet their, you know, goal is not good. Right. We, so, are, we are one of those. We have to be one of those countries because we've, we've by and large led the charge of the CO f- footprint decrease over the last. I mean, yeah, that's a great question. Th- actually, I think it's, it's one of the countries that you mentioned is probably one of the, like the biggest, I would guess, as far as like the amount of reduction from my percentage perspective. Okay. Um, I don't know where I, that's a great question. In fact, if uh, can we find the, Hey Jamie, can you, can you Google that? Um, cause it would, I would like to know, I mean, here, here's what, what I find impressive about this country and it's like what gives me hope a little bit, you know, when we talked, I think we've mentioned it in a previous <laughs> podcast when, when it seemed like the world came or the country came together in the sixties for the, in the space race, like, Everyone got behind that idea. Mm -hmm. I feel like you're starting to see a lot of American companies and American businesses that are kind of taking the bull by the horns on this and they're making their own proclamation as to the amount of carbon emission goals they have. I mean, California as a state has claimed they would like to be carbon neutral by 2040, I believe. Maybe it's 2050, but I think it's 2040. Who is that? California as a state. Mm. So never happen again, you're going to see more, you're going to see a lot more like, of course, progressive States probably push this agenda for more than others. But the fact that you see a lot of these big, you know, you're talking major, you know, fortune 100 companies that have all made some type of pledge 
to reduce their carbon footprint is impressive. It makes me excited to think, okay, that, all right, if we're not going to do it from a political point of view, then we'll just do it on our own, which I like. Mm -hmm. USA leads in greenhouse gas reductions. They are, they have the greatest CO2 reduction in the world. That's great. Love hearing that. You do love hearing that. Um, Okay. Where do you stand on nuclear? I think, dude, so you know what? I was just actually thinking about that. I wish we could go back and pull that. Remember when we were, we were driving back, I think we were brought driving back into Denver and we were listening to that podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was that podcast? What it was Jaboy from Texas, right? Wasn't it? Crenshaw. And some, huh? Yeah. Crenshaw and, um, yeah, Michael Schellenberger. Yeah. So remember when we, we stopped and talked about this, but remember how he was talking about how, like, if you could took a handful of coal and a handful of like nuclear energy and like what, how much that could power. And it was, it was, Oh, was the, the uh, it was the size of a Coke can. So take as much coal. Yeah. It's a lump of coal versus a lump of wood. The lump of coal will produce two times more than the lump of wood. A lump of uranium will produce 1 million times the lump of coal and a Coke sand, a Coke can size. I think he said is enough to power enough to give one human energy for their entire lifespan. Yeah. So, I mean, right there, and and here's the deal. I know that there's, and we, I feel like we're going to have this same exact conversation, but I realize that there has been in history, there's been some negative events with nuclear reactors. Of course, you you know, the first one is um, Chernobyl. Then of course, three mile Island uh, here in the United States among others, but you know, almost all of those, well, no, the, all of them have mainly been due to human mistake. Mm -hmm. I think our technology around how we build those, the type of reactors we're building again, Chernobyl was a disaster. It was in the Soviet union that was back, you know, when there was an iron curtain and they built the cheapest and fastest react the fastest and cheapest reactors they could back then. Mm-hmm. So, and there was a just from a even basic science perspective, there was a lot of flaws with those reactors. And then on top of that, just you know, d- disgusting human incompetence led to the problem there. I mean, if you haven't watched anybody who hasn't seen that the the HBO miniseries called Chernobyl, I, need to do that. I, I can't suggest enough that you watch it. It is such a fascinating documentary. But anyway, you know, luckily we haven't seen anything like that in 30 plus years. And I'd like to think the advances in technology are, you know, and our capabilities around building a safer reactor, I I think is absolutely. And do we consider, this is a question I, I actually don't know. Do we consider nuclear a part of like alternative energy is that considered alternative energy? Yeah, because I think it's the cleanest energy out there. From a well, like an actual plant, like power plant perspective, it's the cleanest version of any of that, right? Outside of like, of course, solar and wind, etc. Which no, you know, it's it's way cleaner than any of those. Well, absolutely. Really? I didn't think solar had any when you negative. 
Well, so so what you have to do is you have to look at it in terms of the production of it uh-huh. versus the outcome of it, right? So okay. like, so the outcome you're you getting. Look at, 2120 okay. 100 years from now if the whole world mm-hmm. is covered in solar panels and wind farms the energy being produced is going to be cleaner energy than than nuclear because right. you're still you still have to you still have to mine the uranium you still have to convert it into usable uh, you know, what do they call it? Yellow cake, like over in Saudi Arabia they call it yellow cake uranium and that's the, the, the piece that the, the they separate that from the ore and then they utilize that in the nuclear power. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of the work, all of the production that it takes to actually mm-hmm. generate, to, 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 to build these farms, to build solar farms, right? All of that. Like I think one of the more interesting stats I've read recently was, uh, you know, going back to the, the, the Germany, France, Britain thing in the mid seventies. Um, Germany, so Germany has been working on their own kind of green new deal things, very similar to mm-hmm. what AOC has, has, uh, proposed and they've spent $580 million on, uh, green technologies, wind, solar, etc. um, to be energy sufficient by 2025. At that point in time, it's still estimated that electricity will be twice as much as neighboring France and will produce twice the amount of carbon emissions. France is 75% nuclear spends half of what Germany does to produce one tenth of the carbon emissions. Say that again. France is 75, 75% of France's energy comes from nuclear power plants. France produces about half the nuclear energy we do. We're number one in the world in terms of nuclear okay. energy with like 55 maybe nuclear power plants across the mm-hmm. across the United States. We produce 810,000, uh, what is it, gigawatt, gigawatts of... Uh, I don't remember the, the exact membership measurement. France does 400,000, so almost half. 75% of the energy France produces comes from nuclear power, and it produces one-tenth of the carbon emissions that Germany does with wow. all solar and wind. What is it that – I don't know after you said gigawatts. What is it that – Gigawatts, gigawatts, <laughs> jumping gigawatts. <laughs> Fuck, great show. All right, so okay, I just because I, I I was curious. Okay, so what are the arguments against nuclear energy? So first one, this is what I was going to bring up anyway: nuclear waste. Yeah, which is so, not okay, really what? a thing unless you've got a meltdown, right? No, no, no. Nuclear actually, no. So. Well, here, I'm just going to read this because I don't actually, I'm not a nuclear scientist or a physicist. The waste generated um, by nuclear reactors remains radioactive for tens to hundreds of thousands of years. Currently, there are no long-term stored solutions for radioactive waste and most is stored in temporary above-ground facilities. These facilities are running out of storage space, so the nuclear industry is turning to other types of storage that are more costly and potentially less safe. So what I think is actually happening, Jeff, based on my very... Although Chernobyl is the, one of the most, I probably watch more YouTube videos on Chernobyl than anything else on the planet. And one of the reasons is, so a lot of these nuclear reactors use like th- their cooling systems are all water and those waters run across like 
you know, the uranium or whatever to keep it like, cause you have to keep that stuff. It's essentially a lot of nuclear reactors are, are the, the, the energy is coming from steam created by water being heated from the uranium. So that water that is coming in contact with radioactive material ends up being radioactive waste. That's where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. So that's but a problem. But it's contained. Unless, of course, there's well, some sort of breakdown. Like disaster. Right. Yeah, well, it's contained, but that water has to be recycled out at times. So that's where that radioactive waste, that's what they're storing. And that's what apparently is the issue for like, okay, where are we going to, once we start running out of storage space, where are we going to put this? Because, of course, there's no way to dispose of nuclear or radioactive waste at this point. You can't, I mean, they've talked, people have talked about burying it, but then of course you run into concerns about like contaminating groundwater, all of those things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so that's a challenge. So, you know, I don't know, maybe over time we can develop a way to create nuclear energy with a mass reduction in nuclear waste. I'm I'm not sure. Again, that is a science that I wouldn't even begin to understand. So I'm not going to try. I don't think it's that much waste. So if that's number one, like I think it's a very little amount of waste in nuclear. Yeah. I I mean, dude, like I said, I have no idea. Um, I just, I know I've seen pictures of nuclear waste facilities and it's, you see that and you're just like, good Lord. That, I mean, you can just tell that's not being managed well. And again, those are probably the ones that they're pointing out like this is the problem with it. But yeah, I have no idea. Generation of electricity from a typical 1,000 megawatt nuclear power station, which would supply the needs of more than 1 million people, produces only three cubic meters of vitrified high-level waste per year. Okay. In comparison, a 1,000 megawatt coal-fired power station produces approximately 300,000 tons of ash and more than 6 million tons of carbon dioxide each year. Jesus Christ. So, well, I mean, clearly like it's a inconse- better option. Yeah. Inconsequential, right. really. And I think, yeah, it's, it's probably, again, that idea, like what happened at some point we will hit like, you know, maximum capacity is like, where are we going to put all of this? But again, that's over time. The problem is it's, you have to think like, you know, tens to hundreds of thousands of years before that stuff's no, no longer radioactive. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not like, Oh, we'll store it for a little while and it'll be fine. No. I mean, you're talking a long fucking time to store this stuff. Sure. So if you, let's say we go build a whole bunch of nuclear power plants, we're just adding to the, uh, the waste that they're creating every year. You know, all of a sudden you're going to see an issue at some point where we're running out of places to store it because it's not like, Oh, you know, the stuff that we were storing a hundred years ago, that stuff's good. We can just get rid of it now. It's a no. I mean, we got to store that stuff for, for, you know, well, well, a long we, damn time. Well, we do, but we're also talking about how we haven't really messed with it, you know, since we pulled out of uh, when when did we stop utilizing nuclear in the United States, the sixties, seventies. No, there's nuclear power plants. Remember, we looked this up. Well, we are in the U.S. Right, there's like twenty six right. of them or something, right? No, yeah, yeah. That, that's I guess that's not what I meant. Um, I, th- I think we actively. Oh, what was it? What was it? What was it? It, it was oh, oh, son of a son of a son of a, um, what do you, I don't help, help, help me help you, Jeff. Help me help you. <laughs> we did something back in the sixties, seventies ish. Um, 
went to the we went to the moon. No. Okay. Um, we went. We went to the moon. We had a president assassinated. Okay. Maybe it? it was California specifically. California nuclear uh, power history. Jamie, look that up. Um, what I'm ultimately <laughs> trying to say is, can hear your keyboard. <laughs> what I'm what I'm ultimately forty year op- history of opposition to nuclear power in California. Okay, so it's the seventies. Jerry Brown came in and basically said, "We're no longer going to do nuclear in California." They've probably picked that back up, right? Since then, because they would recognized how important it is. But what I'm ultimately trying to say is like we 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 took a large emphasis and took focus away from nuclear. You know, I think I think by and large across the United States it, during the 70s when we had three mile three mile island, three mile island, yep. Um, Chernobyl was right around there, right? Mm-hmm. There hasn't been a huge focus or initiative to really progress that particular technology not not in comparison to other fuels that and energy sources that we utilize okay right uh fukushima is the other one i was thinking fukushima. of in japan so but that wasn't that was that was a uh um that was a storm that was that tsunami was, yeah, that nat- hit that, natural, yeah. natural. Um, so, so it wasn't an actual issue with the with the reactor itself, right? So, so where I'm going is there are there may be ways out there that we have not discovered for dealing with nuclear waste, right? Like we if we if we dump the same amount of money into nuclear power exploration uh, research that we do wind solar, all of these other things that I think Germany and France are good examples of, uh, pitted against each other in terms of good, good arguments for nuclear. Then potentially we come up with better ways of handling this. Like for instance, uh, so I'm reading, I'm reading this thing about recycling, recycling uranium, right? It says most notably the USA treat used nuclear fuel as waste. Most of the material and used fuel can be recycled approximately 90%. The vast majority, 94% roughly being uranium of it can be used as fuel in other types of nuclear reactors. So that's one example of like, if we've got all this nuclear waste that we're apparently not doing anything with for one reason or another, but other countries, other places are taking that and recycling it and putting it back. That was my first thought when you started talking about nuclear waste in the water and how to cool it. And we are storing in these containers. It's like, why are we not able to everything else that we utilize? Not everything else. We found methods of recycling it and reusing it and turning it into something else. What is so different about nuclear? that that can't be done. That was my first thought. So I started looking into right now, as we've been talking, recycling nuclear waste. And it it seems like that's a fairly legitimate thing. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, so anyway, that's a long way of saying that, uh, I don't like nuclear waste as an argument for uh, against nuclear. Yeah. Well, it's just one of the, the negative it's, we have to talk about there is still a small negative impact, but yeah, sure. you're right. Maybe we find ways. By the way, correcting an earlier um, false Don't do number that. I gave. Don't do that. <laughs> I want Stanford. Mike, 
we're in experts. We like to provide false information. It's is it's easy AF it's to, easy get to get Stanford. into Stanford. Right. Remember we talked about this. So <laughs> I said twenty six active nuclear power plants in this country. There's ninety six. I was way off in the U.S. Ninety six operating commercial nuclear reactors. Reactors. There are fifty. There are 55 plants. nuclear power 50, plants. 58 in, the, in 29 in states. In the United right? States. Yep. Okay. Yep. Are you looking at the U.S. Energy Information Administration website? <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm, I'm oh. thinking, we, we looked this up on the drive home, so I just, I remembered that. I remembered it was, okay. yeah, I thought so it was yeah, like 55. 58 but nuclear power plants. 96 reactors. 96 reactors. And Most those are in 29 in states. Yeah, 11 of them in Illinois. Right. There's actually a few in Georgia, apparently. Yes, Georgia's Georgia's a big one too. Illinois yeah. had uh I looked this up last night. Illinois has the most and it accounts for they account for 55% of Illinois's power. It'd be interested to see where Illinois's carbon footprint is with Chicago and whatnot in comparison to other non-nuclear yeah. states. Well, you, dude, you, you're you're onto something. California has no operating nuclear power plants. See, they have actually, I take that back there. They have one, but they recently announced that they are going to retire that plant. Quite. It's, you know, it's odd that on the Western part of the United States, the, there is only operating power plants in, there is one in Arizona and there is one in Washington. There that is doesn't none. It's, in, it's, it's a wide like from the progressive viewpoint, it's widely looked at as a very bad technology. Right. And that's kind of what but I was yeah, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, Utah, Nevada, you, New Mexico. You said North South Dakota, they don't is, have any. Is 2030 is California's goal of being carbon free? I, I think 2040. 2040. I read yeah. something yesterday that said, and that's where I was talking about what was the thing that happened in the, the, the 70s. Now that I'm looking at my notes. California. The thing I read yesterday said California could be carbon free today had Jerry Brown, the ex-governor, not killed off the nuclear power plants in an attempt to focus on oil, oil and gas. That was back in the 70s. Right. And now, mm-hmm. obviously, we was know Jerry oil. Brown. Can I ask a question? Yeah. You know, was Jerry Brown connected to some? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. yeah of course, he was financial Fucking prick. Yep. Um, in, in oil and gas. <laughs> yeah. So they could be carbon free today. But. With them being that the reason I said they're not going to be carbon free by 2040 is because it's the it's the it's the same thing happening in Germany. Like it's just not carbon free because you're still generating not carbon from the production. It's yeah, but no, it's it's carbon neutral, carbon neutral. Right. So which means they will reduce the amount of carb that they will reduce the amount of CO2 emissions to match the amount of CO2 emissions they're creating. That they're creating. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So that's the goal here. So if we can become a world that is carbon neutral, that's great. So this is interesting. Again, little history lesson on how this all works. Okay, so, hurry up with this because then I want to get back into the nuclear. The nuclear okay, uh, let's the, finish the, the nuclear and I'll the, get back the to the whole thing. About, I, well, no, finish that thought. But, the, but we, 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 we debunked the nuclear waste. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we debunked it. I don't think it, we debunked but, it, but... <laughs> So uh, the cool thing is, so, so w- I didn't get this for the longest time. And, and again, wait, but why being such an awesome website for just cool stuff. So he explains it like a piece of wood. So when you, 
when the, the reason, so I think this is helpful for people who understand like, well, why is fossil fuel bad? So let me explain that. So there is on the planet, there's a thing called a carbon cycle and the earth kind of has this air quotes, expectation of amount of carbon, like, uh, like available at any given point, the earth being an intelligent orb that it is, is we, the earth takes on so much carbon. It's captured by a whole bunch of different things, whether it's a living creature or a plant or whatever, anything that absorbs carbon. So like, for example, when a tree absorbs carbon, it gets, you know, and the tree grows, a lot of that carbon is more or less captured in that tree and not just the leaves. Yes, it's in leaves. So you're going to see a natural progression of that carbon cycle where, you know, the leaves fall off, they hit the forest floor, they start to decompose and they release their carbon molecules back into the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. So same thing with like wood. So like when, if you were to go chop down a dead tree, that tree over time, if you didn't touch it, will decompose on its own, will probably fall down and over time will decompose and release those carbon molecules back in the atmosphere. That's a carbon cycle that the earth is aware that it's happening. And it's always known that that carbon will have in the, in the grand scheme of the, the length of, of earth, that that is a short time frame from the time that tree will grow live die and then releases carbon the thing where the challenges and the reason like a lot of fossil fuels are bad is what also happens in that carbon cycle is things that like aren't necessarily planned in the cycle where for example like when the dinosaurs died off for example you know all of them died they were covered with a bunch of ash and soot and everything else you know, whether it was because of some big impact or a volcano or, and you know, that causes, that caused a whole bunch of, you know, there's two big arguments there. One's a volcano, one's that we were hit by some meteor and it released this massive ash cloud. It blocked out the sun. So the sun wasn't absorbing any more carbon ash everywhere. Temperatures dropped dramatically. So essentially what we did is we trapped any alive thing, any carbon capturing, um, item was essentially trapped under a bunch of soot and ash and then as happens with time, you know, like that turns to stone or whatever. And then, you know, those, those things still decompose underneath and create these massive, you know, crude oil fields. And that's where we go drill out and pull, pump out or whatever. So the thing is, is earth kind of has this idea that, well, that, that carbon now is captured for good. It's part of the carbon cycle. The thing is, is what we're doing is we're digging into the ground, pulling out and then burning it. And so if you were to go chop down a tree and burn that firewood, mm -hmm. what's happening is essentially those carbon molecules and oxygen banging against each other real fast, which creates fire and heat and energy. And so when you burn a piece of firewood, you're releasing the carbon that that wood had stored back in the atmosphere. Well, it's the same thing that happens with fossil fuel. When we go pump that stuff out, that stuff isn't meant to be pumped back into the atmosphere because the carbon cycle isn't ready for that amount of carbon emission back into the atmosphere. And when we burn it off, we're just releasing it and that's what's causing it. So then the gold greenhouse effect for anybody that's unsure of this is essentially sun rays come in and what naturally happens is we take it, you know, absorb what we need and the rest of it's bounced up, bounced off, 
you know, our atmosphere and land or whatever, rock, stone, whatever, anything that doesn't take it and it's bounced back into space. Well, when we have too much CO2 emission in the air, CO2 acts as a, that's the reason they call it the greenhouse effect is essentially how greenhouse works is, you know, they build a glass roof on something that allows all of the carbon atoms from the sun to come into the greenhouse, but then it also warms up the atmosphere and the air inside of the greenhouse and prevents the carbon from escaping back out of the greenhouse and which makes it warm. So same thing happens in our atmosphere. When we have too much carbon in the atmosphere, we essentially create a layer where carbon is not able to escape as easily through back out through our atmosphere in turn, warming up the the world or the earth. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what's happening. So anyway, I, I found that fascinating. I just never understood. Wow. Like essentially burning wood is reverse photosynthesis to a degree. Right. Like we're just doing it backwards. We're releasing the carbon back out. Right. That's, I found that fascinating. So anyway, that is. I thought that might be educational to a degree. No, it is. Um, but anyway, back to nuclear. I'm sorry. No, you're good. You're good. Uh, one, one more quick thing on the, the topic of nuclear. I was looking at nuclear excuse me, nuclear waste compared to solar waste. The International Renewable Energy Agency in 2016 estimated there were there was about 250,000 metric tons of solar panel waste in the world at the end of that year. They projected this amount could reach 78 million metric tons by 2050. It's estimated that solar energy produces 300 times more waste than nuclear power. Wow. What's alarming about this is lead and cadmium are a part of all solar panels. When wasted, rain something as simple as rains can wash that lead and cadmium into ground soil and whatnot where they're disposed of. Wow. I mean that's not a that's not a good thing. Uh no. Estimated there are 100,000 pounds of cadmium contained in 1.8 million panels that were discarded during the uh, during a tornado. It says that a tornado swept through one of the largest solar panel farms in California, in Southern California. Uh, Desert Sunlight is the solar uh, the, the solar farm name and 100,000, uh, 1.8 million panels had to be discarded due to them being broken. 100,000 wow. pounds of cadmium, uh, potentially going to leak. And I, I don't know. That's just, that's there's shit like that that I don't think you think of most people, at least I don't think of mm-hmm. when it comes to solar power. It's like, Oh no, the sun's providing all this great energy, yada, yada. And then you factor in the fact that they're like parasitic to us to, to an extent, right? Because a lot of places, because they can't utilize that energy appropriately have to pay other surrounding States to take that energy because mm-hmm. otherwise it just builds up and basically goes to waste. Um, right. so, so then California from 2011 to 2019, I think I read, uh, six, six times, their 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 electric their electric costs for the the population went up six times, um, became six times more expensive between 2011 and 2019 because they had to start paying Arizona and Nevada to take energy due to these solar yeah. farms being overloaded. Mm-hmm. So now all of the people in California that have high property taxes, high uh, it's it's like oh now we actually have six 
our, our electricity is six times more expensive too. Cool. Let's do more solar panels in California. I don't know. That's a sidebar. Number two on the nuclear reasons nuclear sucks. Yeah. So the other ones that I have here are nuclear proliferation. So that's just, of course, that, you know, as nuclear fuel technologies become better, so do bad actors having access to that technology. That's an interesting one, too. <clears throat> yep. Have you read about how Saudi Arabia and China are working together because we would not work with Saudi Arabia? No, for, for, I haven't fully delved into, uh, researching it, but for one reason or another, probably due to our limited want and need bipartisan BS around the good of nuclear Saudi Arabia, there's something that says that every country is entitled to utilizing nuclear power to power their countries, right? Mm -hmm. Saudi Arabia. That's where we get into that, that argument with like the, like, what is it um when what were we who was it that we were all in up in arms with about like allowing them to have uranium but it could only be iran was it iran we were we we were limiting the type that they could still produce uranium but it, it could only be like a certain level of uranium. So you're you need like a type. And again, Jesus, I don't know any of the, the physics behind all of this, but you need a certain type of uranium, like a clean version of uranium for nuclear weapons. But you it doesn't need to be that clean. And I'm not even sure if the clean is the word. I know. In fact, I know it's not. But you need a certain type of uranium for nuclear energy that's different than nuclear weapons. And so that's why I wonder if that's that yellow cake versus ore thing. Like you're basically taking the uranium and separating it out and, and making it so that you've got ore over here, which is how you power your, your plants. And then you've got mm-hmm. this yellow cake or whatever it's called. Yeah. And that's what, that's the more potent. You know, I, I don't know what it is, but that's what then yeah. gets harvested into making weapons. Um, yeah, that that's probably, I bet it was Saudi Arabia. So, so because what's happening over there is, they wanted to start utilizing nuclear power to power their country. We did not want to assist in helping them do that for whatever reason. And so they turned to China and now China is working with them. And I think the fear obviously is that they're basically building this, uh, alignment they're, they're you know, i mean they're, they're becoming fast friends due to the fact of one another's support and china now has the ability to effectively help them make nuclear weapons hmm right that's not good not good not good whereas if we would have then we would have helped them make nuclear weapons and been on the good side of help right, right? but luckily i think we have a pretty decent relationship with saudi so. arabia yeah, at the i moment. don't think i yeah like i said i haven't outside researched of a him, ton. outside of uh what's his bucket what's the oh what's the guy's name over there the freaking prince what's his name the crown prince muhammad uh bagid the cp cp muhammad yeah (laughs) (laughs) my man cp moham over here uh, bin Salman, Mohammed bin Salman, bin Sa- Salman, yeah. 
Yeah. So outside of him freaking whacking Khashoggi or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, I think our relationship with, with them is pretty good. So I'm okay. So here we go. All right. Here we go. Here. Okay, so the uranium used for energy is called U-235. Okay. Okay. Um, It doesn't say what the type of uranium is used, but apparently... I saw this stat. says uranium is the fuel used mostly by uh, nuclear fission reactors. It says, although uranium is about 100 times more common than silver, U-235 is relatively rare. So I know that that's, and I, I know that that uranium, like that, that type of uranium also cannot be used in nuclear weapons. Yellow cake is just a type of uranium. Okay. It's just a kind of uranium that's found over there. That's apparently very, it has very little, uh, it's not, does not contain significant radiation according to the world nuclear association. And it looks like yellow cake. I bet that's probably why they call it that. Yeah, I'm trying to find what type is used. We're going to get flagged by the FBI. <laughs> yeah, probably for sure. I'm trying to figure out what type of uranium is used in weapons, though. Uranium-235. That's the stuff they use for power plants. Uranium-235, 99.3% uranium-238. 238 is the stuff for nuclear weapon yeah, weapons to convert natural okay. uranium into a form that can be used in nuclear weapons. It must be enriched to increase, increase enriched uranium. The, that's the term. The Thank you, Jeff. Enriched. The concentration of uranium 235. Okay. So to make uranium fission more efficient, nuclear engineers enrich it. Natural uranium is only about 0.7% U-235, the fissile isotope. The rest is U-238 to increase the proportion of U-235 engineers either gasify the uranium to separate out the isotope or use centrifuges. That's the other word. That's what we were controlling is the centrifuges in this company or in this country. I'm sorry. We were making sure that their centrifuges could only create the U-235 uranium. According to the World Nuclear Association, most enriched uranium from nuclear power plants is made up of between 3 and 3% and 5% U-235. Well, you have it. There it is. But anyway, so, okay, back to the other thing. So, so nuclear proliferation, of course, that's scary. National security. So, the only, this one is just that their point is that, like, it's a nuclear reactors are a potential target for terrorist attacks, which would be very, very bad. Accidents, of course, we know that those happen. Hopefully we, again, accidents are accidents. No one plans on them, but hopefully we have um, learned from our mistakes in the past. But like, I mean, look at Fukushima, you know, that had nothing to do with the reactor. It just had something to do with the weather pattern. So that's, and then the, the other ones here on this list that I, while I'm sure 
well, actually this one says cancer risk. So, in a, so the significant risk of cancer associated with fallout from nuclear disaster studies also show increased risk for those who reside near a nuclear power plant, especially for childhood cancer, such as leukemia. Workers in the nuclear industry are also exposed to higher than normal levels of radiation and as, and as a result are at a higher risk of death from cancer. So, and then the last one, and I think this one's the most, the, the, the one that's probably the, makes the most sense is cost. But, and that's apparently just to build the things, it's pretty substantial. Hmm. That's, but, and that's interesting. I mean, we know that though. Yeah, I we mean, do, but. But, but like your comment earlier, your statement earlier, I don't think, I mean, if we were comparing apples to apples, which is challenging, you know, you've got to look at the cost of, like you said, production for these facilities and then the output you're getting. I mean, while I don't have the numbers, you know, I wonder what that ratio is, you know, per energy type. Yeah. Yeah. It's clear that it's clear that nuclear produces, I mean, far and away is the most energy dense, right? Yeah. Um, this is interesting about wind, solar and wind. Um, so solar and wind supply energy 20, 20 to 40% of the time reliably. That's due to obviously weather patterns, cloud cover, nighttime is number one. Um, nuclear is 94% of the time reliably produces energy. The energy Wait, nuclear is only 4% of the time. 94. Oh, I was going to say, boy, that seems horrible. <laughs> That's terrible. Energy <laughs> density of solar is 1.5 microjoules per cubic meter, which is 20 quadrillion times less than oil not even nuclear so oil 20 quadrillion times jesus christ i don't even know what a jewel is i don't even know what a quadrillion is <laughs> like how many trillion is in a quadrillion quad four quadrillion what is I don't even know how many trillions are there. There's 1000 trillions in a quadrillion. Jesus. And it's 20 quadrillion times less than oil. I mean, do you that right there? Just the amount of solar and wind that you would have to have in order to power anything. Yeah. I mean, then again, I mean, again, we got to, the, the, there's other concerns that go into that. So I think, Hey, you know what, if we can find a way to do nuclear power safely, that's awesome. Let's keep doing that. I, I really truly believe that there is a stigma that will in time decrease with, with nuclear energy. I think you got to think, I mean, uh, Chernobyl happened in what? 86. Yeah, that sounds about right. And I think Three Mile Island was in 70 or 89. I was going to say 79. 79? Was it before? I can't remember if it was before or after Chernobyl. 
Chernobyl was 86. Three Mile Island was 79. 79. Okay. So, I mean, that's, you know, all, I mean, Chernobyl happened in my life, in our lifetime. You know, our parents were adults when Three Mile Island happened. So, I mean, it's, and then Fukushima, we're all aware of. I mean, that happened in 11. So, I think that also makes it difficult. I mean, I, I would, let's say I was living somewhere and, and they were like, oh yeah, we're going to build a, a nuclear power plant, you know, 15 miles down the road. I'd be like, mm, I'm going to probably move if that's the case. But uh, <laughs> is there like some weird open space that we could put it where there's no one around perhaps, even though if that thing blows up, it's going to affect the entire United States. Mm-hmm. But so here we go. Here, I just found some more stats that I think is fascinating too about this, all of this, this climate change stuff. So Carbon dioxide levels, we are at 29 parts per million right now. That is the highest level in the air in over 650,000 years. Highest level in the air in over 650,000 years? The highest amount of carbon dioxide in the air in over 650,000 years. Okay. Our global temperature has risen two degrees Fahrenheit since 1880. And 19 of the 20 warmest years on record have occurred since 2001. Okay. Not surprising. Okay. Yep. Uh, we are losing 427 billion metric tons. We are losing 427 metric tons of ice sheet per year. And then the sea level is rising at approximately 3.3 millimeters per year. Global average, global average sea level has risen seven inches in the past 100 years. Right. 3.3. I, I saw the IPCC said half a centimeter. So 3.3 is better than half a centimeter. 3.3 millimeters. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, clearly something's happening. I mean, and here's the thing. Yeah, I, it's to touch on what you said in the opening of all of this. It's, in my personal opinion, impossible to think that humans aren't to some degree responsible for this. Mm-hmm. But, and, and clearly, without a doubt, we need to do something to curb this, to slow it down, to find alternate fuel sources, renewables, et cetera. But I think sometimes it, it seems that, well, actually, you know, let me ask this question and this is just your opinion, but why is it, why do we feel this has to be a political discussion? What is, what has happened that, you know, I keep reading 99% of all scientists believe climate change is real. Mm-hmm. So how are we still having political debates around the validity of this science? And secondly, mm-hmm. that we're responsible and have the ability 
to not necessarily correct it wholly, but at least slow it down and keep it, you know, at a manageable level. And then I guess my last question is, how are people still arguing that this isn't something that they should be concerned about or isn't real or it's a hoax? I don't, I really just don't understand how we could get there. Well, yeah, I think very, so the first one, the the, the partisan thing, I, that's just, I don't even know. I've heard people say that it's, it's the, it's the, it's the fact that the left is making an alarmist uh, making alarmist claims that, you know, the, the world is going to end and whatnot. And, and that's, what's causing the partisan issue. I've read things that talk about the right saying that it's not actually real and global warming isn't a thing. And that's why it's causing a partisan issue. So what is actually, you know, chicken or the egg, who did it first? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's ridiculous. It, do you think what, what, what degree does, lobbying have an impact on this you know these oil companies are oh i think that's a huge impact across the board i think that's a big reason nuclear is being taken out of the equation because there are lobbyists you've got you've obviously got lobbyists on wind and solar and 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 renewable energy resources right uh Mm -hmm. lobbying against oil you've got oil lobbying against wind and then you've got nuclear which is i think clearly outside of some of the things that that you pointed to which i think while valid have never really truly been addressed or explored or researched or or try you know you know solved um there's never been a real effort to solve them nuclear is based on statistics the cleanest assuming that you have a handle on how to maintain it right it's the cleanest and and the most cost effective once you mm-hmm. have the product facility up france and germany i think if you look at it over the last 20 years that's a very clear they're they're sitting right next to each other they've got the same climates well not exactly but close to they've all th- all things being equal one is producing far less carbon emissions one is paying far less money one is producing far more energy. All of those are mm-hmm. France and they're running nuclear. So right. um, that's a hard argument to, to, to walk away from. So when you look at that and then it's so, 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 so nuclear where I'm going with this is you've got renewable versus non-renewable pitted against each other. And then you've got nuclear and the lobbyists for both of those are attacking nuclear and saying that it's not good. So nuclear right. is receiving it from both sides, whereas right. the other are, are receiving it from, from one another. Um, right. So, but I, but yeah, I think lobbyists, lobbyists have a huge hand in it. Um, yeah. Well, here you go. I just found some stats here. So in 2019 alone, the total amount spent on oil and gas lobbying. And then again, this is in just 2019, 251.4 million nope yeah that's right yeah got a million 251.4 million dollars get this this is the thing that upsets me so there are 718 gas and oil lobbyists 
what percentage of those would you guess used to be former government employees? A ton. Guess. 70%. Damn close. 66%. Jesus. This is what I'm talking about. This is how fuck this goes to show how fucked our government is. And then you look at the number, like the top 10, um, the top 10, like parent companies that, that do pay for this. The number one is Coke industries, fucking clowns. And then Exxon, Chevron, Occidental Petroleum, BP, ConocoPhillips, um, but at least the Koch brothers are honest about shell. it. Like Bloomberg, Bloomberg dumps so much money into the oil and uh, gas. Oh, I know. Well, I'm not arguing. And then talks about wanting a Green New Deal. And it's like, right. well, I mean, at it, least the Koch brothers aren't back there hiding in the shadows. You fucking right. Bloomberg. Yeah, no. Well, the thing is, is and, it, but, and it, I'm not even talking about specific people here. I'm just talking about the fact right. that it's, it's no, I'm just, pathetic. I, Bloomberg bugs the f out of me <laughs> it just it's pathetic that that 66 percent of lobbyists used to be government employees it just it's right there i think is the answer to our question earlier is why is this a political issue well there you have it because they have financial interests sure in these companies and so of course why wouldn't you create a hoax yep or at least that line that storyline it's easy to see this is, again, back to my question I asked last week. Lobbying in politics needs to be stopped. It's bullshit. So, okay. So, I just pulled this up. The electric utility spent mm-hmm. the most money on climate lobbying. Environmental because organizations were number two. <clears throat> on what? On, on climate lobbying. So, you're talking... so. So the first one is energy companies, and the second is who? Uh, environmental companies, environmental groups, where they're having to basically go out and lobby against the fact that this these false narratives are being created. Wow. Well, well yeah, I want. I'm, yeah, but it's outspent ten to one fossil fuel, ten to one versus environmental. Wow. Yeah, that's bullshit. That that, that stuff just drives me absolutely crazy. Well, there you have folks. I mean, if you ever question whether or not this thing is a hoax, well, you have your answer as to why our government thinks that there's even a, even a storyline in our government that says this is potentially not real. And it's because they're padding their pockets. They're padding their pockets. Lots of things yep. deal with padding of the pockets. And I think that uh, that's a good place to cap today's, so. cap today's podcast. And maybe we'll talk I about lobbying. So. I'm going to have to, I don't Ooh. know anything about lobbying, but I'm going to, so... Yeah, I'm gonna have to if do we a do lot that, of reading it's going to be a lot of profanity and frustration and disgusting size, disgusted size rather. I just it it really upsets me and bothers me. Sixty, yeah, dude. I mean, there's obviously I don't know. We don't we don't we just ended it. We're not going into that right now. We can talk about what that offline. We'll talk about it offline. Okay. All right, folks. I guess we're gonna talk about it offline. It's been real. Love All right, y'all. folks. Hope you learned something. Recycle. Probably Go buy a Tesla. Don't or buy a, a Lucid, Tesla, but or a recycle Prius. Uh, buy a Prius. There you go. Um, <laughs> yeah, and take it's care. A chick of, magnet. Take care, of We've only got one of them. Oh, it's deep. <laughs> that's that's true. Look at that. All right, folks. Thanks. See you next time. All righty, folks. That's a wrap.
Hope you guys enjoyed that one. Don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast app to Inexpert Opinions. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody you want to out there. Uh, and we'll we'll see you next time. Thanks a lot.